Welcome to the Parkway Live Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. You'll turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18 today for our text. Excited about reading the beautiful word of the Lord that is so rich and so powerful. Matthew 1 and 18 says this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in his mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name. Everyone say that name with me. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you love the Lord today? He's awesome. He's awesome. I'm in the uh, second part of a few week series called Advent. And a word that probably you haven't even maybe heard or heard preached about or you say very much at this time of the year, but it's huge in this time of the year that we're in this Advent, this Christmas season, and I wanted to unpack and open that up to you through this series a little bit. God bless you. Turn around to tell somebody, say, I'm glad to be serving that Jesus today. And you may be seated. Man, I, folks, I'm so glad. Can I just say this? I am so glad to be in church today. And there's just so much love in the house. And, and I don't say that weird or with Christian, Christian weirdness. But there's just no drama there's nobody judging anybody. There's nobody trying to see who's richer than the other one or poorer the other. We're just happy to be in the house. No strings attached. Church is a chance. Just here to magnify Jesus. I just, just had to say that. Advent, Advent. Um, something you want to recognize and know is that Advent is a word that means coming. And it's Christ's coming. It's Advent is coming. In the Christian season of Advent, we prepare 
for the advent of Christ, the coming of Christ at Christmas. Key words that surround the Advent season is preparation, it's expectation, it's hope, it's anticipation, it's longing. During this season, we do something, and this thought in itself is quite deep, but we, we join in the longing and the preparation with the ancient believers of old and just as they waited for the coming of Messiah to save them, to forgive them, and to restore them, we, the modern day church, also prepare to worship the Christ child this Christmas. We remember during this Advent season to have hope not only for the Advent, the coming of the Messiah, the birth of Jesus in a manger, but also that second Advent, that Advent or the coming of Christ in our heart. That's a big, big thing. And then that third Advent, we wait as the coming of the Christ on the heels of glory, when the trump it sounds and the dead in Christ shall rise first and then those which are alive and remain will be called up in the air to meet him. I'm looking forward to that day. The simple story of God's son coming as a babe in a manger has become so familiar and something we're so used to. The tragedy is that we have discovered plenty of ways to be distracted from the Christ child, to be distracted in the Advent season and get caught up and to get wrapped up in celebration that we have forgotten the great mystery and the power of God's Advent through Christ to mankind. We lose it all. And it's so possible during this time to get lost in the celebration that we forget the miracle of God coming and being with us. We get lost in the celebration. Would you do something else? I know you just had you do this a few minutes ago, but just turn around to somebody and say, I refuse to get lost in the celebration and miss the miracle. Can you remember all that? Don't forget that he came. And it changed everything. It changed everything. The story is told of a christening of a very wealthy European, European family's child. And they gathered their friends, invited their friends to come to their house and this wealthy family to christen their child. And everyone's excited and it was a cold winter night and Everyone came in with their coats on, and when they walked in the door, they took off those coats and laid them on a bed, and the coats began to stack up, and they came down and began to greet and meet and connect as you do at most party-type events, and everybody was connecting, and then all of a sudden, it's time for the christening, and they looked around, and somebody said, well, where's the baby? That would be a thing that we need to do. Check out, look out, find the baby. And so the wealthy father told the nurse, he, she said, he said, uh, go upstairs and get the baby. She went upstairs and 
After a few minutes, she came down and she is all uptight and she is in distress. And, but the baby was nowhere to be found. They couldn't find the baby. And so the guests began to split up and look throughout the home and look for the child. And the frantic search of the baby ended in a tragedy. For the baby was laying on the bed that they put all the coats on. And the baby had smothered underneath all of the coats of the guest. The chief reason why they had come in the first place was forgotten, neglected, and destroyed. The Christ child equally can get smothered in all of the tinsel and all of the wrapping paper and all of the ribbon and all the make-believe that surrounds Christmas and I love it and, I, and, and, and we'll talk about that today and the festivity and all of us love all of that but in the midst of all of that I remember the words of Luke that said it something like this and so brings it into relative situation of where we are now and it says this Luke says there was no room for him in the end they forgot the baby they forgot what the advent was all about they forgot the the reason for Christmas in the first place I pray this series and the reason I'm preaching this series is that there is a reawakening in all of us for the reason of the advent, the reason of the coming. The story of God has so many extremes in it. It's one extreme to the other through all, there's this all-powerful, almighty God who became totally dependent on a human mom and dad. Can you imagine that, how almost humorous that is? There's this all-knowing God who chose to learn and be educated like a commoner, like a, like a regular. Can you, can you imagine sitting next, to, sitting next to Jesus in the classroom? You want to be sitting next to him. I mean, is it, is it weird to kind of cheat off of his paper? Because he's always going to get it right. That's, it's so extreme, it's so odd, it's so unique, it's so, it's so weird. This perfectly holy God chose to live among sinners, stinky sinners. It reminds me of John chapter 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave, oh, let's, let's read it together. Can we do that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. God could find no better way to help with man other than to become just like us. He came, and we celebrate that. And we're excited about that. And we long for him to come. And we join in with the ancient of old and that passion during this Advent season. John 
Howard Griffin was a white man who believed that he could never understand the plight of the African-American unless he became like one. And so in 1959, he did something that was unique. He darkened his skin with medication. He bought him a sun lamp. He took tanning oils and put them over him and stains. And then he traveled throughout the South. And this was in 1959. And his eyes were awakened to write a book that he called Black Like Me. As he began to discover the hurts, the struggle of discrimination in the 1950s. And he began to understand and he wrote the book so that other white people could understand what that African American was going through and feel what they was going through. That is exactly what Jesus Christ, he came, became like us. Isaiah 53 verse 3 says it the greatest. He said this, he said he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Do you know who we're talking about? We're talking about Jesus. He didn't have to do that. But he robed himself in flesh, this God did, and walked among us and felt our hurts and felt the pain that we would feel. And men and women in this day and hour hour still have a struggle with accepting the extremes of what God did in the form of walking among us through Jesus Christ. The reality of God's extreme action is that we often are required to take extreme measures ourselves as the church or as believers. He did this extreme thing for us and so we've got to step out and become extreme, extreme and deciding in our faith and extreme and going public with our faith and, and extreme and saying, listen, I'm going to stand for him in the midst of a world that is making fun of him and, 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 and being rude and saying evil against him. I stand in the midst of it all and I'm proud to say, and I say it with the honor that I am a believer in the Christ who saved my soul. I'm not embarrassed of that and I'm not just saying that because I have the mic today. I believe there is a room full of people that woke up this morning that say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. God took this ultimate, the extreme step of stepping and leaving eternity and glory into the temporal and the sinful place called earth. And this ultimate sacrifice to become like man so that he can save us from our sins God took this ultimate step to prove his love. So I ask myself the question, and maybe you will do the same. What step have I taken to accept what he's done for me? What, what, he didn't ask me to do much. He didn't ask me to pay for my salvation. He didn't ask me to get my back whipped. He didn't ask me to climb a a hill of broken glass as some religions do. He didn't ask me to do this. He didn't ask when I failed to pay for my sin. He didn't ask any of that stuff. He came 
to die, to pay it off. It's extreme. And us, we can't hardly accept the extreme. But the fact of the matter, he did it all for us. And he says, this is what I want you to do. Just step into that. Just enough that you understand that you don't claim to be your own Lord, but you ask for me to be your Lord. Repent and welcome me. Be baptized in the lovely name. Let me place my name. Don't just sing about my name, but let my name be stamped on your life, and then I will do the same thing as Mary. I will let you conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to conceive something. A certain king was, was rich, very, very rich. His power was known throughout the world. Wealthy, wealthy, powerful man. But he was incredibly unhappy. He was broken. He was struggling. He was lonely. And the reason why, in his massive castle, in his great domain, he had no queen. He didn't have a woman. He had no one to love. So he would get into his chariot day after day and ride through the countryside at the beautiful hills and the valleys. And he would look and ride amongst the peasants, the poor. He would ride amongst them. And, and as he would did, did this one particular day, he saw a peasant young lady. When he saw her, his eyes lit up. He said, I've never seen anything more beautiful in all of my life. And he went home and he thought it would leave his mind, but he continued to have this longing and desire for this beautiful, beautiful peasant girl. So he started to try to devise a plan. How can I get her into the castle? How can I make her my queen? And so he made this up and he made this decision and he made this, as this idea came to him, he thought, I will draw up a royal decree. I can do this. I have this power. And required her to be brought to the castle and become the queen of my land. But as he considered, he realized, wait a minute. Wait a minute. She was a subject and she would have to obey. And so she would be forced to obey. And so once she was here, how would I know whether she really loved me or not? And so he began to try to think of a new idea. And then he said to himself, I know what I'll do. I'll call on her in person. I will dress in my finest royal robes and my royal garb and, and I will wear my diamond rings and I will wear my shiny black boots and my silver sword and I will, and I will wear my most colorful garments and I will stand in the best array that I can and I will be the best looking thing she's ever seen and when she walks in the, the door she will feel the richness and the power of who I am and I will win her over as my bride but as he pondered the idea he began to think it sounds so shallow because what if she will just love me because of my power and my richness and he decided to do something else. He said, I know what I'll do. I'll become a peasant. I will dress as a peasant. I will dress as a peasant. I will dress in the poor garments. I'll be dropped off somewhere down the street. And I will walk into the poor community, my subjects. And I will walk in in disguise. 
and I will approach her house. But somehow he felt so cheapened by that because of the duplicity. The duplicity of his plan seemed so fake and it seemed to be something that did not appeal to him. And so he thought, I've got one more idea and it's extreme. And so he did this. He shed his royal robes. He took his robes off. He, go, he went down into the village in peasant attire. When he walked down in the village, he walked there to stay there. He got a job. He began to work. He began to suffer with them. He began to feel their poverty. And as he felt their poverty, he began to feel like a peasant. And he began to hang around the young lady. And he felt her love. And they fell in love together. And he, the great king, was dressed and become as one of the peasants. Not just in duplicity. Not for a moment. But he walked among them. He worked with them. He became who they are. And he won over his most precious queen. So did God consider how he might win humankind. God in Christ became one of us. He took upon himself the form of human flesh to dwell among us. Paul said it this way, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Dude, that's so powerful. He could have come. He, listen to this. Do you know this? He could have come and on a daily basis to every atheist and every agnostic that says there is not a God. He could step out of the heavens every day in power and authority and fire coming from his fingertips and call and make everyone on the earth bow to his feet. But why would the God, the King of glory, do this and not feel the love of the choice that his subjects would have to make? And he says, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do something different than that. I'm going to change this way. And God became in Christ reconciling himself to the world. He walked among us. He feels our pain. He felt, the Bible says he was tempted in all ways like unto us. He was Jesus in a blue jeans robe. He was Jesus in Nike sandals. He was Jesus with pimples. He was Jesus with B.O. I'm trying to let you feel this God. He was a poor. He wasn't born in a castle. He was born with the smell of urine and manure in the manger. He became a peasant. Not in a duplicit manner. Not walking in one day and walking out the next day. He spent 33 years. Most of that is in a carpenter. A poor carpenter's house. A house that was built by their own hands. And the crudeness of what that day could bring to that level of income. He was not a wealthy man. I'm sure at times they looked for where their next meal was coming from. 
this Jesus, this God manifest in this flesh. The God, the Bible says, that owns the cattle on a thousand hills did something that was extreme. Seems crazy to mankind. But this God came in the form of Jesus Christ. And don't let him get lost in the tinsel and the celebration of the Christmas season and lose that he's God with us. Hey, Cohen family, he's God in your house. No, no, Matt, Matt and Cody, you got to hear this. He did this in your house, right there, right there where you live. He, he stepped in. He stepped in. He stepped in your space. Some of y'all are in Harvey trailers. He stepped in. He stepped in. I don't care if you're in a Harvey trailer or you're in a mansion. He stepped in to that house. And he said, I love you. But is there anybody longing? Is there anybody expecting me? Is there anybody waiting on me in Advent for my coming? Is there anybody anticipating? Is there anybody, is there anybody, is there anybody that is waiting and longing. You see, you see, you, you understand that, that the Christmas season is a beautiful thing, and I, I love it. And, and for like 25 days, we wait, and we, we, we put things and presents under the tree, and we get all excited, and, 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 and man, we, we just, we, you know, I've often said it this way. You wait 25 days on something that's wrapped under the tree. By the time it gets there, it can be underwear, and you're excited. You know what I mean? You're like, yes, I got some drawers. <laughs> Why is it you spent 25 days in expectation? You've waited. You've waited. You've waited. Where does the expectation come from? No, 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 you got to hear me. Where does the expectation come from? Where does the, the whole experience of Christmas Thank God your kids are out today, but it's not about Santa Claus. It's about bo something's born in expectation and waiting. You know where that came from, don't you? It came in those early days, and they're waiting for the advent of the coming of their Messiah. And now you and I cannot, in the midst of all the celebration, lose the miracle of the birth of the Christ child that changed everything. 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 It's God with us. God with us. No other religion has a God that lived with man. No way. Other religions keep their gods far away in mystical thought. The Greek gods, they put them on distance, and those Greek gods, read the, any, if you read anything about that, they hated mankind, and they called for sacrifices. But my God did the unthinkable. He came, became the sacrifice. It's God with us. I, my title today is, believe it or not, I'm 
almost finished preaching, and please don't say amen. <laughs> but my title today is this, something must have happened here. Something must have happened here. What do you mean? There was an old pioneer that was traveling through the Great Plains and coming westward through the Great Plains and he came upon what we now know as the Grand Canyon. Now, just think with me just a minute. If you were the first person like this pioneer to come walking up, you haven't heard about it, you're just walking along, everything's going good, you've been kind of stepping over some little, you know, divots in the ground. That's a golfer saying that. Stepping over some things like, eh, just keep moving. Little, little valleys I take a couple hours to go through. And then I walk up and I look down in this vast, vast hole in the ground. And I'm like, I'm fixing to take that next step and I go, Jesus. And I look down and a hole that goes one mile down in the ground. It's 18 miles across from one side to the other. It's 100 miles long. And it's documented that the pioneer stepped to the edge and said this, something must have happened here. I think that is like so profound, it's amazing. He said, something must have happened here. Do you not see it? Do you not see the reason for the lights? Do you happen to see that the reason that you go and you buy the gift, the reason that, Scott, if y'all could come up and get ready to play for me, the reason why we go get a tree, oh, I didn't say it was all spiritual. That's not what I'm saying, but I am saying, listen to this, something must have happened here. Every year, Adina and I, generally with all of our kids go and buy a tree this is the first year they absolutely left us to ourselves, and we're going oh great but we go get a tree every year and it's one of my favorite things to do throughout the year we go to a farm and and sometimes if the form don't have what we want because it's got to be the perfect tree. And then we go to Lowe's and you never can buy it on the first stop. It's just spiritual not to. And so then we may go to Home Depot and we go to, and then, and then, and then we make this huge opportunity that the Lord blessed us with to place that on top of our little SUV. And we strap it down to make us feel really good about our SUV because all the commercials says it can do amazing things. 
we drive home with our tree on top of our car. And we get it home, and it's just so much fun. And then I help Adina as we wrap that and lights. I'm trusting that he will wash me white as snow in what I'm saying. We wrap it with light. She wraps it with lights and hangs all the pretties on the tree. And it's so much fun. Why don't we do all that? Celebration. Something must have happened here. You can be an atheist and agnostic and spit and cry and say there's no God and whatever, but you got to understand. You've you got to understand. It's 2017. And something that touched the world over 2,000 years ago when a little baby landed, God manifested the flesh and it changed everything. Fight it all you want to. Fight it all you want to. But even the non-religious put lights all over their house and look like the Griswolds. tree and we put up the lights and we sing about Santa Claus and again nothing spiritual about that but 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 we do it because he changed everything about this Advent season expectancy waiting longing excitement a couple few years ago Dana and I and our family we said, we're going to do something. We're going to go to New York this year. It was one of our funnest Christmas we ever had. We flew, and I'm really meaning that honest. We, we went in, we flew in there, and man, on Christmas, was it Christmas night? Yeah, Christmas night, we went downtown. Well, it's all downtown. And we went down to the Rockefeller Center. And saw the, Am I saying all that right? And we saw that big old tree, and I was thinking, man, I wish I could have went and picked that one out. Put the lights on. And you see this massive tree and the people standing around. And I think, something must have happened here. Something must have happened here. The city that pushes out God and all this stuff and don't know what to do with him. And I don't believe in him, but he changed everything. And you can't even help it. When he touched, when he landed... That first advent, he changed everything. And that same God of glory is the same God of glory that when he steps in your world, when he steps in your life, he changes everything. Brandon, he touches you and he changes everything. He touches you, Dwayne, and your family and he changes everything. Hershely touches your life and 
changes everything. Everything turns around because he's still in the changing business. You can't have God manifested in flesh in the form of Jesus Christ come in his spirit and live inside of you and your life not absolutely turn upside down. He's still in the changing business. Something, when I look at your life, I say something must have happened here. I want you to stand and join me today. We're going to do something. We're going to do something. We're going to sing an old Christmas carol, and we're going to do it a cappella. But don't just sing it as a celebratory song. I want you to sing it as worship. Can you do that? And it simply says this, O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye, to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. And I want you to sing it from down deep with expectation of the season. And I want you to sing it to your Savior. I want you to help us. Start us off. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the your hands and sing that. For he alone is worthy. For he alone is worthy. Christ the Lord. Let a 
to come from down deep. You ready? For he alone is worthy. Yes, he is. Oh, I feel his presence. For he alone is worthy. For he singing that just then and I looked out and I see some of your hands up in the air like this why you got your hands up are you longing for something are you reaching for something something must have happened here that 2017 you're still reaching for the Messiah you're still reaching can you lift your hands as high as you can get them and shout with him with love and joy and power oh I love you Lord I give you my love I, I give you my love my faithful God my faithful Savior I look to you with joy peace I love you today I love you today surely the presence of the Lord is in this place